tonight on Arena. Limerick rapper Strange Boy is live in studio and Arla Foyle tells us about her new collection, Three Houses in Rome. Five one double five one is the text. You can tweet the programme at RTE Arena. Strange Boy is the musical moniker of Limerick rapper Jordan Kelly. His 2021 album Holy Unholy was one of the most universally praised releases of that year. The compositions on the album combine traditional Irish music with Strange Boy's unique brand of spoken word hip-hop. In fact, the opening track on that 2021 album, a track called Beginnings, features none other than Maya Brennan of Clannad. Earlier this year, Jordan became the most recent recipient of the Lamo Flynn Award, a yearly award from the Arts Council at the National Concert Hall to recognise individual creativity in traditional Irish music. And Strange Boy will open his unique style of rap and trad to the stage of the National Concert Hall on Saturday, October the 7th, as part of the Tradition Now series of Concerts a Weekend that also includes the likes of Ye Vagabonds and Cormac Begley. Delighted, though, that Strange Boy or Jordan Kelly, and I'll call you Jordan rather than Strange. Yeah. If that's all right, <laughs> Not Jordan. a bottle from me, man. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah. No, deli- delighted that you're in with us this evening. That Liam O'Flynn Award mm-hmm. in particular, I mean, something that is at the very heart, and a man who was at the very heart of traditional music. Yeah. How how gratifying is that for you to get that award, and how useful is it? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's surreal. It's it's definitely surreal because um, you know, a few years ago when we set out to make the album and try to bridge the gap between traditional Irish music and rap, it was a very um, it was a it was a it was a kind of a risk we were taking because we didn't know if people were gonna like it, you know. Mm. So to get that award, uh. And to be able to have residency in a national concert hall on top of it is just just such a privilege, you know. And it's um yeah, it's just it, it is gratifying like that to have that. And um, because there's not many spaces as well, you know, for yeah. artists like us to uh, make music like that. So and when you say there, yeah. Jordan, this idea of bridging the gap, because it's yeah, inter- yeah, yeah. interestingly enough, if you think of Liam O'Flynn bridging the gap between traditional music and orchestral classical yeah, music, he did yeah, that he with, with his did, yeah, play, 100%, playing. Yeah. You're talking about bridging the gap between rap hip-hop and uh, traditional music. Did mm. you see a gap there? Or for you, were they, were they the most <laughs> natural bedfellows that, that, that ever existed? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of similarities now. The rhythms are a lot similar. The beats are actually, funnily enough, very similar. Just as a rapper to kind of jump in, there's uh, very similar pockets. But um, it was definitely um, a conscious like decision to be like, all right, these are very different uh, styles of music. So to kind of bridge the gap it, it would take a lot of work and then we were we began to work on the album and then out of nowhere COVID hit so that kind of put a dampener on the process mm. but uh, I was going through a rough time as well through then but then out of that came the album so it was kind of it was kind of perfect timing really it, not, it didn't seem like it at the time but then it actually just made the album even better really because mm. we were uh, I, I was just in my house all the time writing so I had nothing else to do but work on the album and it kind of turned I, out for the best Had you experience in both styles of music? Ah uh, yeah, my father would always play like traditional Irish music. Um, you know, Luke Kelly, the Dubliners, Wolf Tones, Finbar, Fiori, you know, Christy Moore, all the boys. So growing up in the house, I, uh, I, I it was always playing in the background mm. somewhere. And then through like just my brother, what I got into uh, rapping, hip hop, I would listen to Eminem and you know Fifty Cent, all them. So it 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 definitely did take a while though for the both ideas to kind of come together for me and the gallery to decide that we would try to 
try to pull it off. And you know, we're we're getting. I mean, if the Yanks like it, we're getting booked for a show over in Kansas next year in America. So if the Yanks like it, I mean, you must be doing something right. Like, do you know, what I mean, they're important. Everything. Uh, yeah, well, certainly that yeah. that that is a very big market and 100%. very interesting when people can hear from your accent. There's no question where you're from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that is very very obvious when you're rapping and when you're singing as well. Hundred percent. Let's have a listen to. Uh, the opening song on the album, Beginnings, I, I think this speaks for itself in many ways. I mm-hmm. will warn that there's a little bit of rough language as it goes along in, mm-hmm. in, in places, but the, the wonderful voice of Moya Brennan is part of this. Amazing. Well. So let's have a listen to uh, Strange Boy, Jordan Kelly and uh, Beginnings. Scabs, no love, last looking for a plan, ducking camera, I was ill advised, image in my eyes, I might have muzzled crack violence inside, sirens outside, strange boy straight out the north side, no foresight, no chance. So let me start. So let me start. That is the opening track from Holy on Holy from Strange Boy, who's with me in studio this evening, and that uh, track featuring the voice of Maya Brennan. And I was I was asking as we were listening to that, Jordan, um, whose are the voices there? But yeah, it, it's all Maya. It's all Maya. Yeah, we asked her to send over a take, and she just outdid herself. She did more than we asked, and um, what she sent over was just amazing. We were both me and Enda were in the studio listening to it. We were just blown away. So yeah, you've mentioned Enda Gallery a couple of times. Enda Gallery, just, yeah. yeah. How does that collaboration between you and him work? So a few years ago, he got onto me to to uh, collab with him on a song, and that's how I met him. And then through that, we just started collabing a lot, and then. He kind of came to me with the idea that we should make, we should kind of bridge the gap with trade and uh, hip hop. And then from there, we just began the process. And obviously, COVID hit, but uh, yeah, he's just very talented, man. He's a wide range of like uh, skills, which is very good for music as well. Like, he's good, he's a great manager. And um, just the production side of things, he's, mm. he's always on point with it. And that, that's, that song, though, in particular, there's a, and this is true across the album, um, you, you lay yourself absolutely bare you know you're telling stories mm-hmm. about your family background telling stories about your mother there yeah. and her difficulties and that line doing things from scratch and getting nothing back mm-hmm. yeah yeah no I uh, started from scratch a lot in my life I suppose man you know it's just one of those things where like me growing up personally I was because um, I grew up in Cardavon which is kind of like a middle class neighbourhood but then I was working class my family was working class we didn't really have much so it was a kind of Weird contrast from me growing up, you know, seeing these people like uh, who had stuff and then we didn't really have much. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, um, it's just, it's just life really, you know, you have to kind of get through them things. So it's like music for me is just a way of expressing that and uh, just. When, when did wordplay and me, because you clearly yeah, yeah, have yeah, a facility yeah. with wordplay. <laughs> yeah. When did wordplay and when did music start to be the way you could express that? Because it, it mm. would be easy for something like that to turn in on you and mm-hmm. you know become really problematic but obviously yeah. you dealt with it in a different way yeah I mean I was always interested in like um, English in school and just reading books I was always like big into like words and stuff like that so it just kind of stemmed out of that uh, you know writing is anyone will tell you about writing it's just it's a process that just takes like you know a certain a certain bit of dedication because sometimes you don't want to write but then when you get into the flow of it um, 
you don't know what's gonna come through you. Like you know, it's it's from the subconscious a lot of the stuff. So sometimes I'll be writing and then the stuff that comes out I didn't even know was on my mind until it's in front of me on the page. It's 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 a weird thing. Uh, well, when you see it there on front of you uh, on yeah. the page though, is it hard then to say, "Boy, that's coming out of me," and now I'm going to sing that. I'm going to yeah. rap that. Uh, you know, because as I say, you you do lay yourself. Wide open, you mean? Yeah, 100%. You, you, you don't, you, you're not pulling any punches. No, 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 no. But I mean, like, that's the real. that was the reality of my life. Like, so there's no point sugarcoating that. Mm. And um, yeah, like, there's, uh, like, it's just good for me to, like, have no, no notions of, like, not, like, uh, being too, like, some people just don't, like, expressing themselves that way. And they just think it's kind of, I don't know, feminine, whatever, but like it's just, it's it's good, it's good, it's very cathartic for me myself. So. Yeah, and funny now that brings me to the song Sorrow yeah. because there's one of the things that really struck me as I was listening to Sorrow today. I played it a couple of times. It's how much you you really do say in this in this song. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. there's no point in bottling it up. Yeah, no point. You yeah. gotta let it up. Don't be afraid to let the tears flow. Don't yeah. be afraid to you know get it out of you. Mm-hmm. Let, let's have a listen to. I won't listen to all of Sorrow now, no, but let's, let's have a listen to a little mm-hmm. bit of it. Bees and the swallows cry cause the earth beneath my feet feels hollow Cry with the wind when it wails on a marrow Cry just a crying, cry tears of sorrow Cry just a crying, cry tears of sorrow Cry just a crying, cry tears of sorrow Cry to the birds and the bees and the swallows Cry cause the earth beneath my feet feels hollow Cry with the wind when it wails on a marrow Cry just a crying, cry tears of sorrow Cry just a crying, cry tears of sorrow Cry just a crying, cry tears of sorrow That is so powerful from Strange Boy Sorrow, the title of the song, and Jordan Kelly, aka Strange Boy, is is with me in studio this evening. I mean, I can, even as I listen to that, and I'm looking across at you, Jordan. <laughs> just, I, I'm wondering the emotional cost of of mm. just letting that out in the yeah. way that you do. Because you know, oftentimes we hear a lot of anger in hip hop. I'm yeah. not hearing anger there. I'm hearing huge passion. Yeah, yeah, passion, uh, self resentment, self hate. You know, it was very mm. intense uh, writing that, and it's. Uh, it's actually, it's sometimes as well, when I'm doing it on stage, it's even more intense because I come off stage and then there's like people coming up to me crying and it's mad. Like I wouldn't know how to deal with that, but it's, it really, it really. So it uh, really touches, touches. Yeah, it really st- touches a, a people. with people. Yeah, yeah, 100% man. Yeah, I have a few, I have a few mad stories about that, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's intense doing them tunes on stage because I'm going back to like a place in my life where like that was like real for me. The emotions were there, so. And um, I guess yeah. when you're telling about, you know, the other stories about it, it's people who are coming up and who identify Exactly, exactly, with what you're literally, exactly like that. Oh, yeah. What's that feeling for you when that happens? Um, it's mad. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. How, I can't put a, I can't put a finger on it, man. It's just, you know, um, it's something surreal, really. But it's, it's just good to know that they can take something from mm. what 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 I do and uh, uh, find comfort in it. I suppose, you know. Um, the musicians. I was asking you, is that mm-hmm. you playing the banjo? <laughs> and you nah, said, nah, I nah, wish. Nah, I wish. Um, yeah, who, who are the musicians that are? Is Enda Enda Gallery that you've mentioned? Enda Gallery. Is he responsible for a lot of the musical side of it? He is, yeah. And no, you're there for the words. Yeah, he puts the pieces together. That man's a genius. And then when I'm doing live shows, like I have world-class trad players with me, like Dermot Sheedy, Ted Kelly, Connor Crimmins, Sean O'Mara, uh, Matthew O'Connell, like just absolute, absolute uh, world-class. So it's just handy to have that level of talent as well on the trad side of things and then on the hip-hop side of things then and then knows his stuff. And I know my stuff, obviously, so... Do you know, to bring two of them together, it, it works really well. 
Yeah, you have your brother rapping with you on one of the tracks. My brother and all, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was hard getting him on that. No, uh, <laughs> that was the biggest persuade, was it? Yeah, yeah. It was like you can sing about whiskey, and he was like, "All right, not a bottle." Yeah, we yeah. got we got him on it then. But uh, he's actually a great singer, man. Yeah, I need to get him on a few more tunes. But uh, he's a bit he's a bit shy for it. But we'll see what we'll see. Well, I mean, you're you're asking him because which is the song where he is singing about? Ah, uh, forgotten. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that is. You know, again, it kind of goes into just how alcohol can be a great uh, mm. anesthetic. Yeah. If yeah. you don't cry to the wind and exactly. do all those things, you yeah, know. Yeah. Who will be playing with you um, on at the at the concert hall gig? Who will be the musicians on stage with um, you? Do you know that yet? I do, of course, yeah. I got Ted Kelly, I got Connor Crimmins. So uh, a lot of the people you were mentioning. So, there. yeah, all the people I was mentioning, like uh, Dermot Sheedy, Sean O'Mara and uh, Matthew O'Connell, just all the boys. And... Um, yeah, we've been rehearsing the whole time for it, so it's going to be a special one. It's going to be a real special yeah. one. And we have new material as well from, from the second album. And yeah, uh, and, and, yeah, and actually, and I know you were keen to say this, because I'm, I'm leaving the, the what was at the end of Beginnings, which is that wonderful line from, yeah. from Maya Brennan. Did you give her that line, you know, um, it's a new day? No, she just she just did, came up with that herself. She just uh, sent over, because we only really asked her for the singing parts, and she just did that part herself, and it was just amazing. It worked so well. So uh, yeah, it was handy. It fitted it, fitted it perfectly. I, I, have you have you a sense of that? That somehow the writing of that first album allows you now to maybe go to a new place, and I think you're saying mm. more uplifting material. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. Because I'm not trying to run away from the dark mm. side of it, yeah. but the, the first album. You know, yeah, it, well, very it's heavy, tough yeah, material. Yeah, yeah, very tough, man. Yeah, that's the thing about it. Because, um, yeah, but the reality of life is like it's not always like that. It's not always like you know heavy like that. Mm. So, um, yeah, the new stuff is a lot more upbeat, a lot more fast paced. Um, yeah, I think people will like it. Um, and just showing the place I'm at now in life, which is which is really all it's about for me is expressing how I am at that moment. You know. Yeah. Well, listen, it's it's been a real pleasure to speak with you this evening. Thanks so much for Thanks coming for having in. Me. Um, and uh, Saturday the seventh is the particular gig from Strange Boy. Others are tradition now, by the way. Ye Vagabonds, Cormac Begley, Darren Nicklacon, Flautus Nula Kennedy, and Clara Fiddlemeister, Tara Breen. You'll be rapping with some of those before the, yeah. before the night. I don't know. Ye Vag- Vagabonds are the headline gig Unreal, yeah. on the Privileged. night that you're there. So that that will be great. That's Jordan. Kelly uh, coming uh, came into me in the studio this evening so delighted to have him here Strange Boys 2021 album's called Holy on Holy you'll get it available now and he's appearing on the stage of the National Concert Hall Saturday October the 7th as part of the tradition now which runs all weekend full details on that on nch.ie The Age is an exhibition currently hanging at the Model Arts in Sligo. The exhibition comprises animation, free-hanging painted silk panels and three-dimensional works and drawings. It's an epic tale inspired by the classics and the painting of Gustav Klimt. It's the work of British artist Emma Talbot, whose work featured in the Venice Biennale in 2022 and who is also the winner of the Max Mara Prize for Women Artists. The prize was the starting point, in fact, for this work. I'm delighted to be joined by Emma this evening, who is in our Sligo studio. That Max Mara Prize, first of all, Emma, it gave you a six-month residency in Italy and an exhibition in the Whitechapel Gallery in London yeah. and in, in Italy's Colezione Maramotti. How, yeah, right. how did the time spent in Italy specifically feed into and inspire what you've done in The Age, this, this new exhibition? Well, the, the prize is a really generous prize because you, you make a proposal which is based around a, a set of ideas and then you can go anywhere you like in Italy to research it. 
So um, I had quite a sort of layered narrative that I wanted to explore. And I could go to Rome to look at the painting by Gustav Klimt that inspired the the protagonist for my narrative. And I also went to Sicily to Mount Etna, where I stayed on a permaculture site. And I, I explored permaculture because I wanted my figure to be a survivor in the future who used the principles oh. of permaculture to survive. And I, I also spent some time in Reggio Emilia where I learned to use knitting machines to develop the surfaces of my three-dimensional work. So I, I managed to travel around in Italy yeah. a lot. You made you made good use of your of your yeah, time and the yeah. and the opportunity and the the, the funding to go there. Yeah. I'm going to tweet actually just to to remind people and so that you can talk a little bit about how Klimt's work and um, the 1905 painting the Three Ages of Woman, yeah. how that inspired you at, at RTE Arena. I mean, this is a very familiar painting, but can you describe what the painting said to you and how it affected what you then went on to do in your own exhibition? Yeah, so it's a painting that I was really familiar with. And as time went on, I sort of identified a little bit with this elderly woman figure. There are three figures, a baby, a young woman, and an elderly woman who's totally naked, who's standing with her head in her hands as if she's in a state of shame. And she just happens to have the same shoulder-length grey hair that I have. And so I, I sort of found myself somehow identifying with her as maybe a vision of the future. And then I thought, I, you know, I don't like the fact that she's in a state of shame as if an elderly woman is a spectacle of horror. And I decided she would be a really fantastic protagonist who uh, I could sort of reimagine as someone who had the most agency. So rather than being a weak figure, I thought if I made her the sort of centre of a of a active narrative uh, and that allowed me to then place her in a kind of um, alternative hero mm. story, if you well, like. And, and let us tweet straight away then the version you give us, I suppose, this is the protagonist, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, the, the woman, the age or letter is the title of the work yeah. here as well. This is a, a three-dimensional work, uh, a woman on a pedestal. Yeah. She's a she's a, a much fiercer warrior, no sense of shame uh, <laughs> yeah, like right. we get in the Klimt work. <clears throat> That's right. And I also wanted to make her skin, you know, the idea that, that the ageing body, instead of being something we should be ashamed of, is something which is a, a demonstration of our survival or, you know, our experience. And so I, I tried to make her into, yes, like a warrior, someone who has a kind of armour, which is their skin. Mm but also the armour a little bit inspired by the kinds of um, supports that you might have as you get older to support, you know, your knees or your, yes. your joints or whatever. So it's a kind of quasi, it's a mix-up of those yeah. two languages. Uh, but I should have said, by the way, at RTA Arena, if you want to see that particular image. And then, I, I mean, I thought of it in some ways as a shield, but it's it, it the, 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 the disc that's in front of the older woman. Just to speak to me a little bit about the material that you used for that that disc uh, across from her and, and what exactly it represents. Um, it's it's um, a kind of knitted network. So, you know, all of the 3D figure is made out of um, knitting and it's a kind of network that is, it's not a kind of definable thing in, in which, I mean, that it's mm. like a portal or a net or a sort of net that refers to um, microbiology or sort of natural networks or a sort of 
plan or a map or, you know, it could be any of these things and the woman is interacting with this system. Yeah. Uh, and the idea is that, you know, we're our connections to nature are a really fundamental part of ourselves. And I think was Hercules part of the part of the idea maybe informing particularly this part of the work? Yeah, well, the, the, the idea of using the, the trials of Hercules was to think of the woman as a kind of alternative hero. I was thinking about, you know, the most prevalent hero story there is. And over time, um, the, the trials of Hercules has been used in many different eras as a kind of really um, central hero story because I, I think it's been really popular because he goes from a young man to an older man mm. and becomes a god. And so I thought, you know, when I looked at the trials of Hercules, I thought oh, maybe the, the elderly woman can re-perform them. Yes. And I looked at how he'd resolved them and I realised they're all resolved with a kind of aggression. So he either kills, steals, captures, colonises, you know, and he doesn't really resolve these problems. He just does something very fast and aggressive. <laughs> and I thought if an elderly woman was tasked with these problems, these trials, she would probably come at them with a completely different, uh, from a completely different point of view. And she might think of these issues in a more sort of benevolent, caring way. She mm. might try to resolve them in very different ways. So I applied a contemporary issue to each of the trials to show how the woman tries to resolve some yeah. of our problems. Let's look at a, a, another image from the exhibition uh, again. I'll tweet this at RTE Arena. I think uh, th this gives us a sense of the immersive nature of the piece itself. This is a hanging piece. I, I think this one is is called Volcanic Landscape. Yeah. Um, on the ceiling, and and literally as, a, as you enter the exhibition, you walk through this, almost able to reach up your hand and touch it. I'm not uh, sure uh -huh. if you're encouraging people to do that or not, Emma. Well, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Thought you might. <laughs> but walk, walk around it for certain because it, it, it inhabits the space. So the idea is that you're in the space with this landscape. You walk through, you walk mm. around the landscape as if, you know, as if it is like walking around in a landscape and discovering things in that landscape because there are images and there are texts and it's not a, a linear Route, so you can look in any direction, and you can gather information in any direction from from looking at the long. It's eleven meters long. Each mm. of the hangings, there are two of them, and so it's a, an idea that as you walk through, as you journey yourself, you sort of gather experience yeah. and understanding. You're saying eleven meters long, there, Emma. And yeah. <laughs> I know you. I know you did a bit of research on knitting machines in yeah. uh, Radio Amelia. Yeah, eleven meters long, a piece, a, a paneling that size. That's quite a quite a task to put together. I would have thought. Yeah, it's quite epic. It's true. It's quite epic. But the 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 important thing for me is that it's painted on silk, and silk is a very light, natural yeah. material. So even if the work is monumental in that sense, it's not heavy. It's not a heavy monument. It's it sort of moves a little bit in the space, and so it sort of breathes, and it has this lightness to it, which for me is like a sort of an equivalence for the idea of experience being something quite fleeting or yeah. floating. You know? uh, and and then in terms of you, you mentioned that there are two hangings of this nature. Is the second one? I have a, a third image that I want to tweet now, which is a, a quite a large panel. It, in in the version I'm looking at, or in the space it was in it's kind of wrapped around two pillars. Is this another um, of the hanging or is this another no, this aspect? Is, no, this is from a, a different exhibition. Mm. This is from the Venice Biennale. All oh, right. 
So that that piece was standing in the middle of the Arsenale space at Venice Biennale last year. Yeah, it has it has that quality though within it as well. Again, that yeah. epic scale which seems to attract you. Yeah, no, that's right. But the the interest for me is how how a, a narrative can which which moves between things that are very uh, personal and emotional and things that are really universal and historical how how that can occupy a space and how we move around it how we interact with it how it how it sort of sits in space is always interesting to me yeah and i guess that is that is very much part of what is involved in the age uh, letter as well which yeah. is at the model in Sligo. Of course, you're in the midst of great Irish mythological stories in and around Sligo. Have any of those started to fire into the imagination? Yes. Well, it's, re- it's been really interesting while I've been here that I'm really aware of the landscape around mm. me and the kind of history, the sort of ancient histories within the landscape. And it, and yeah, you're right, it is making me think, I wonder what stories there are here <laughs> that I could get involved with. Yeah, yeah, I think Queen Maeve might be one that yeah, would right. particularly I'm, interest yeah, you. Yeah, I've been looking at that tomb. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I I wait to see what will come of it in in time to come. Lovely to speak with you this Andrew, evening, Emma. Thank you very much. That's, thank you. That's Emma Talbot. They're speaking to us from our Sligo studio. Studio and Emma's exhibition, The Age Letter, is at the Model in Sligo. It runs from this Friday right through until Saturday, the second of December of this year. So basically through it to the end of the year, more or less. The Model. Ie for full details. And staying in the world of visual art, this weekend, IMA, the Irish Museum of Modern Art, launches the Timeskips Soundwalk, a hybrid soundwalk and performance that explores the soundscape of the land around IMA and its relationships with the past, the present and the future. It will also highlight the human impact on the environment and the interconnectedness of the Earth's biodiversity. The project is a collaboration between composer and sound artist Robert Coleman, ornithologist Sean Roynan and uh, musician and improviser Sean McArlean. Delighted to have both Robert Coleman and Sean Roynan join me on the programme this evening. Um, maybe, Robert, to start with you, can you tell us a little bit about Soundwalk and what, what instigated this project to give us a sense of what you're exploring here? Yes, well, I suppose um, my work in the in recent years has really delved into the area of the sound walk. Um, I guess personally, I've been fascinated with kind of the sounds of the environment, the idea that we can it can be rooted to a particular place, um, and so that the uh, listening environment. Um, uh, oh, have I lost you there briefly? And I think I lost you there briefly, Robert. Have you are you gone? Or are you still there? You seem to have lost. Let me go to Sean, uh, the, who's the ornithologist in the midst of all of this, and we try to get uh, Robert back on the line. Uh, your involvement here, I think, had to do with primarily, Sean, the sounds of nature. And given that you are an ornithologist, I presume the sounds of birds were vitally important to you. Yeah, I mean, I spend most of my free time sound recording birds, but I, I sound record all sounds of nature, really. But in, in this in this project I did focus mostly on birds so my I, my major input really was to, to look into the past and to do that I found old paintings of the landscape of Emma and using these paintings then I could I could get a sense of mm. what species would have been around back then 
So, you, so you, you're looking at the, at the landscape uh, of what Emma might have been in and around the middle of the 18th century, 1757 or thereabouts. That, that, that's it, exactly. Yeah, I found a painting from, I found a few paintings actually, but there was one, there was one very instructive painting, which was actually viewing back over across the Liffey from uh, the Phoenix Park. So minus Euston minus Station, obviously, and, and you can see an old, a very old meadow in there, which would have been cut by hand um, at the end of the, at the end of the year, probably late September back then. And as a result of that, then there would have been a lot more ground nesting species, species like corn crake, quail, and it would have been corn bunting as well, which is now extinct in Ireland. So, so knowing this from the painting, I was able to to paint with sound, essentially, hmm. and bring back what I imagine that soundscape would have sounded like. Right, so um, it, it's not, a, you, you couldn't find recordings, obviously, no, from 1757. No. Exactly, so yeah. did you did you have to go about kind of creating the sounds of what you thought those birds might be or finding that bird song in some other place? So um, the last three years myself, I've, I've been on a personal mission to sound record every bird species in Ireland, um, which I've, I've pretty much done now. There's only three species missing, so I, I already have everything. So I have about 9,000 recordings on my own personal database to work with. So I was able, I was able to bring those in and then I, I just recorded a bass track in an area where there wasn't a lot happening. So all, all I have was um, like rustling leaves and, and buzzing bees. So that was my bass there. And then I brought in, I, I painted in the different species. I brought in grasshoppers. Mm. Um, uh, Corn crick, quail, corn bunting, curlew as well. I think so. Lots, and lots then, of different bird songs. Let's let's have a listen actually to a recording yeah. you sent into us, which I I think will give us a flavour of some of that. And there's something. Well, let let us play the bird song, and I'll say what I find amazing about it. Even yeah. listening to 23 seconds of it, as we are <laughs> about to do. So that's just uh, some of the recordings that you will hear as part of Emma's Timescape Soundwalk. A sound artist, Robert Coleman, an ornithologist, Sean run in with me uh, on the programme this evening. And we have Robert back now. Um, Sean was explaining to us, Robert, as we were getting you back up on the line there, about this idea of how he's literally gone back in time to the middle of the 18th century to, to recreate a soundscape that might have existed in and around Emma at that time. I guess this feeds into the idea of of timescapes that is your that is your desire here is it to travel back in time or do you want to travel forward in time as well um we do indeed yes um it's really i suppose about showing these different moments in time and so that gives us a sense of uh, how we how the changes um how to perceive the changes um in the environment um and so like uh and in terms of what people do then when when they're actually there, Robert, do they walk a specific route within the grounds of Emma or is it within the actual uh, buildings of Emma that people will, will experience timescapes? Yeah, so this is a, a totally outdoor experience. So the, the participants will be sort of guided around the grounds of Emma and um, there'll be moments in which we'll sort of do some kind of listening exercises as a group. 
there'll also be times at which they will listen to kind of pre-recorded parts and through headphones and then there will also be some kind of musical performance as well which are engaging with the the sounds of the environment of Ilinima itself as well. And uh, are we talking a headphone experience here or are there there secreted speakers in certain places as you're walking along that suddenly start to make the sounds for you or do you want to give that away? Um, Well, in terms of music, there's live music for sure. Um, And then, so there will be instruments. And then, yes, the the, the pre-recorded elements will be experienced through the headphones as well. Um, and then, as I said, there'll be sort of these sort of community building aspects um, with these listening exercises and they're about building an awareness of the, the sonic environment there of Lima mm. and sort of allowing us to reflect on that idea of timescapes and how the, yeah. the, the soundscape has changed over the years. Yeah, and I, I, I learned a new word today, uh, Sean Ronan, the, the ornithologist in this yeah. duo, and that new word is anthropogenic sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might, so I'm a, presuming it's a, a new word to life. lots of people. You might explain what it is. Yeah, so when you're sound recording wildlife, this is, uh, you know, this is something that you curse a lot, the anthropogenic element of things. So this is, this is human-made noise. So it's it's low, generally a low frequency hum uh, noise coming from highway, motorways, um, airplanes, just general mechanical noises. But it can also refer to, you know, lots, lots of people shouting or banging. Even even you know you could extend it to domestic animals too. I guess really uh, depends on how strict you are. Mm. But like as a wildlife sound recordist, you want to avoid this generally. Yeah, yeah it's a bit like the aeroplanes. If you're doing anything to do with a radio or a documentary, an aeroplane yeah. arrives immediately. You start turn yeah. on the, turn on the microphone. You hold your breath. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's exactly what happens. One final thing on that: what about the future soundscape? I mean, I was delighted to hear the sound of buzzing bees and you know so much wildlife within the twenty three yeah. seconds that that we heard. That may be quite a romantic soundscape in in years to come. How optimistic, pessimistic, or otherwise are you about future soundscapes? Well, I think this is up. This is up to us. Um, this is you know up to how how we act um, together and the changes that we bring about. Yeah, and um, I, I guess Robert, that is part of the reasoning and part of the thinking behind timescapes, the sound walk. It's to make us think. Exactly, yeah. I think, you know, it should be hopefully a moment to pause and, and reflect on our sort of current situation and then to be aware also that, you know, we are in control of it. Mm. There's things we can do to to kind of build that future that we want. And so, yeah, that's what we're, we're trying to get towards, I think. With uh, all right. Well, listen, thanks both for joining us this evening. That's sound artist Robert Coleman and ornithologist Son Ronan. And the um, Soundscape Soundwalk, uh, the tickets are free, but you must reserve a place. And there's a Q&A with the team on Sunday the 24th at 12 noon in the, 12 noon rather, in the People's Pavilion at Emma. This event will be hosted by Contemporary Music Centre and chaired by Helen Shaw. Booking is not necessary for that. Emma.ie for full details. Gola-based writer Orla Foyle was born in Nigeria to Irish missionary parents, and she has also lived in Kenya, Malawi, Australia, France, Russia, Israel and the UK. Three Houses in Rome is her third collection of short stories, fiction that is dark, unsettling and global in outlook for sure. It explores themes of race, 
Childhood Trauma and Gender Disparity features real-life figures, including writer Dylan Thomas, the artist Modigliani, alongside fictional characters. Orla Foyle joins me now from our Galway studio. And it's it's very hard not to notice, as I read across, it was very hard not to notice, Orla, as I read across the stories, the, the range of settings, actually, uh, how international the book feels. It, it, their story set in Rome, title story, of course, Russia, Nairobi, Australia and Germany. And that's not all of the various <laughs> settings. To what extent did your own peripatetic um, upbringing and travels as a, as, a, as a young woman and as a child feed into what you did in, the, in this select collection of stories, Orla? Oh, first of all, hello, Sean, and thank you very much for... Uh, having me on arena. Um, well, my own childhood I spent outside Ireland and um, in Africa. Um, um, my, my parents were sort of adventurers. I think it has fed a great deal into my writing. Um, and I've always loved travelling. I've always loved looking at different vistas and and I suppose I am a daydreamer at heart and I've always imagined myself in different uh, situations and different countries and as different people. So my whole life I've lived like that and so I, that's it's it mm. just is my writing. That's just the way I write. It's you who know? you are, and it's the yes. way you write. Yes, because it, it, and it's funny that you say that you you've often imagined yourself in into various situations, and I'm guessing therefore you imagine yourself into various characters because not all of this can possibly be autobiographical. Because particularly, I'm thinking of two stories in in the centre of the book. Dorothea in the land of black and white men and then it's immediately followed up by another story called White Wife. Let's talk first of all about Dorothea in the land of black and white men. You might explain who Dorothea is and the land in which she finds herself. Well, in actual fact, that story um, is based on... um, is based on a sort of a conversation that I saw happening to the corner of my eye. I was in a fish and chip shop in Galway and I was watching this girl having this rather, um, she was sort of heated conversation with this guy. Mm. And so the the nugget of their conversation actually happened. Not maybe those words yeah. in particular, but it actually happened. And I remember being fascinated by this girl who just stood up for herself, or a young woman, I should say, who stood up for herself no matter what. And uh, so I um, I tried writing it in the third person and it didn't work. So I went hell for leather and I said, right, I'll write it in the first. And that's how that happened. Yeah, so you found you yourself in, in her position. Yes. And, and she's mm. there, she's in, 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 in real life, she was in the chip shop with yes. a, a man called, well, these weren't the real characters in the story. No, she's with not. a guy called Zach who you refer to as being European black. Uh, yes. I, I suppose kind of a, a dark-skinned Italian is what we're dealing mm-hmm. with there. Yes, Eugene, definitely. who's, who's uh, from Paris, French. I think, originally. Yes. And he's French, mm-hmm. he's a white mm-hmm. man. And then there's Ibrahim, uh, a Muslim there as well. Mm-hmm. So there are very differing approaches to um, Dorothea, but they all seem to be very aware of how angry a young woman um, Dorothea is. Do you think she really is or do you think this is their perception of her? That's a really interesting question, actually. Um, I think she is that angry um, because it's in her voice and 
when mm. I'm and after everything that she's gone through, I think she's more angry as well at her boyfriend for not really seeing her, and um, and then she's angry at Ibrahim Ibrahim for mm. demanding that he she kowtow to his way of thinking that the world should be. Um, so I think anger is well. Yes, anger is definitely in her. Um, how they see their anger is um, with Zach. It's sort of like almost something he would bat an eyelid at if it was, you know, bat mm. it away like you would a mosquito. Uh, for Eugene, it's embarrassment, like oh my god, she's making a scene. And then for Ibrahim, it's pure fury in that way because she's standing up to him, and he's not used to women standing up to him or standing for themselves. So I think in that way they would see her anger as an affront to them, personal towards them when her anger is just spiralling within her, you yeah. know. She's, let's face it, they all give her plenty of reasons to be... They do, To be, they? at the very yeah. least, annoyed, if not yes. angry, you yes. know. And, and it's interesting that they, that they all identify it as anger when it might just be something else, a, mm. a totally different emotion. However, um, it, it struck me as a, a kind of a balance that runs alongside the story that comes after it, uh, white wife, and mm. this is a woman who finds herself in uh, Malawi, isn't it? Uh, oh, Kenya. In actually, Kenya, I beg your pardon. Yeah, in, no, no, in sorry. Kenya, and mm. and uh, her situation is quite interesting, and the ki- types of pressures she's put on that are put mm. on her from another side. Yes, yeah, that's true because um, partly that become that partly stems from a story my mother once told me, but it also stems from a number of stories that I read about a young woman who decided to go off and have an adventure a la, you know, um, Karen Blixen, and, but in the 90s or 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. so it'd be quite different. It'd be to- thoroughly modern. And uh, it's, but then you've got two cultures coming up against each other. And um, the story that, that my mother told me was that the girl, the young woman that married into um into a tribal community, basically had to keep herself away. She wasn't welcome really by the whites anymore, and she was made to feel she found it difficult in the own in the community mm. that she was in. But even in, I brought it forward, and with the thoughts, well, even today, people, anybody in a new community would would run into difficulties that run into different ways of doing things. And um, or different ways of being. So, um, and then of course, is the it's also this white um, arrogance that the young that the woman has too. Yeah. You know, it's very and balanced it's, in that respect. In that, you, oh, you know, you you you, mm. you 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 can see that she's intolerant, but you can also see equally that her mother-in-law um, is, oh, yes. is quite intolerant too. She so, is, yes. in, intolerance mm. works across races. It's not mm. def- it's not confined to just one race in that respect. I no. mentioned Orla that there are real uh, uh, characters from history within mm-hmm. the collection as well. Maybe you would read, I think it's the opening section that you have for us from Frau Hitler. Uh, And I think we know who we're talking about when we talk (laughs) about Frau Hitler. And this is the opening section of the story. Okay, thank you. Oops, I've made a mistake. Cross it out. I'm not Eva Brock. I'm Eva Hitler. And Frau Goebbels is not happy. He gave you roses every day from his garden at the Burkhoff Magda. But I have his hand... Her Goebbels blinks his black eyes and wishes Addy and me much happiness. There are some small cakes to eat and everyone raises their 
champagne glasses. I hold Addy's to his lips. He dribbles out his bubbles. I laugh. Of course I laugh. You silly man, you silly Führer. He lifts his grey shaking face and smiles. We are very happy. There is bombing outside. Addy told me earlier that our Third Reich is now no bigger than a football pitch and the Russians are a hundred yards away. Dust falls from the ceilings after the shelling. I am happy. Yes, I look at my face. I am happy. I am wearing lipstick for my last day. Addy doesn't like kissing me with lipstick. He said that the, in these days of war, all lipstick is made from cadavers. I don't mind. My lips are a good red. The stars in Hollywood wear this red. Addy told me if we had won this war, I would have been in a Hollywood film of my own life. I could still act 17 with good makeup, and it was only 16 years ago when I met Addy when he noticed my legs. What a little moustache, I thought. And that is. That, Yes, yeah, that, okay. that opening section there from yeah. the story uh, Frau Hitler from Three Houses in Rome, new collection by Orla Foyle, Orla in our Galway studio. I wondered what attracted you to Eva Braun. Eva Braun has a potential. In some ways she is, there's a great sympathy towards her in your portrayal of her in many ways, I think. She's mm-hmm. so lost. This is directly in front of taking the cyanide pill, of course. Yes, this is right. Um... She's. I've always been fascinated by the World Wars One and Two, and I've. I was always fascinated by Eva Braun because I thought, really, she was just ordinary, and she had then the luck, whatever you want to call it, mm. in her eyes, luck to meet um, Adolf Hitler, and then I thought, how does how does a girl grow up to be a young woman and remain in the company of such evil? And how does she not realise what's going on outside the world, out in the outside world? And that fascinated me that somebody would kind of purposely close their eyes to what she must have known was going on to a certain extent. She, you know, um, and I just thought, how do you live with yourself like that? And I think you live with yourself like that by not thinking about it, by thinking that in some way you are, you are mm. a part you know, and yeah. it's a very frightening thing. Yeah, an indifference to humanity as well. I think. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, uh, and and I love this idea that she kind of there's a touch of the she's it's her Hollywood moment. She her big yes. close up. She it's very there's a sadness in that as well. Mm. We've we just scraped the surface of it. Uh, just three of the fifteen stories that are within the collection. But thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us this evening, Orla. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Sean. I enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. That's Orla Foyle and Orla's new collection is called Three Houses in Rome. It is published by Dira Press. Now, uh, what was the second name of the Countess that Karen Casey was singing about or will be singing about in her show, The Women We Will Rise? Countess Markovic, of course, was the answer. Emer Ninil from Clonakilty will be heading off to the to the to the to the Everyman Theatre in Cork on Wednesday the twenty seventh of September and she'll be having seventh of September and she'll be having the overnight stay at the Metropole Hotel. Congratulations to you, Emer, and thank you to John Doyle in Galway for his help with that item with Orla Foyle. And that is our lot for this evening. Leah Murphy was the researcher. Ollie Hamilton was the broadcast coordinator. Ashley Grufferty was on sound and tonight's programme was produced by Ola McGowan. Gowan. Back with you tomorrow night, seven o'clock here on RT Radio One. And Fick No Brennan, I believe, is still with you after the eight o'clock news this evening.